Hello, I'm Shane Hartsfield, pastor of Beaver Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ or questions about our church, direct you to our website, beaverbaptist.com, for our contact information. Weekly, we study exegetically through books of the Bible. And now, join us as we dive into today's passage. The scripture reading this morning is going to come out of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 through 10. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without fear, without, and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting, for you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death." Turn your Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. That's our verse uh, preaching text this morning. But I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And if you have a black pew Bible, that's page 660. We're teaching through the Sermon on the Mount. And this contains the most common teachings of Jesus. We're all familiar with the Sermon on the Mount. It's where we learn about the Lord's Prayer. It's where we learn about turning the other cheek. A lot of real familiar sayings, familiar truths that Jesus taught. We're so familiar with. But, but to be honest with you, I think a lot of those true statements that Jesus teaches us, they're misunderstood. And so I'm really excited about going through this sermon. We're kind of in week three of it. We're on the second beatitude. But I'm excited about our text, our, our text teaching text, Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, here in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, looking at verse 1 through 3, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, 1 through 3, Solomon, in all his wisdom, he teaches us something about mourning. He, he's giving a report of his life's findings. He's the wisest man that's ever lived up to this point. God's given him a lot of wisdom to lead Israel. And he's writing down his words. This is what he's learned in life. And he says in verses, verse 1, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Now I'm going to take a pause because I'm still hearing people turn pages. We've got to work on this Bible drill stuff. I've been working on it, right? The sermons, I'm giving you a little Bible drill. And Mr. Bobby, I hope you and Miss Michelle, y'all are sitting there at home and y'all are practicing who, who gets to who gets to there first so the other has to do dishes or something like that but I'm hearing pages turn we got to work on a Bible drill okay we ought to be at Ecclesiastes go to the middle and then go right okay we ought to be there by now Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 1 through 2 and I look at verse 3 sorrow is better than laughter for by sadness of face the heart is made glad this is difficult text for us. What in the world is Solomon talking about? Well, he says it's better to go to a funeral than go to a party. That strikes us as kind of odd. 
we think the opposite is true. In fact, we don't even like thinking about death and our mortality and the mortality of our loved ones, do we? We put that off. We avoid it. Some of us, we don't go to funeral homes. We don't go to funerals. We don't go to viewings. We just try to avoid that altogether. But Solomon says, no, it's, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. And why is that? Because what happens when you go to a funeral? You think about your own mortality. It rattles us, doesn't it? It always rattles us. It doesn't matter how many funerals I do or how many times I go to a funeral home and walk through that, that season of life with people. It, it's, it always just rattles you and shakes you. And what does it do? It allows you to, to, to focus and think about your own mortality. You know, one day, and I tell people this anytime we do a funeral, hey, we're here, and, and, and with the fast-paced life we have or did have before COVID, the only time you would see people is where? At the funerals. Yeah, it's like, man, you know what? We're going to be back up here in another month, two months, six months, and it's going to be one of us here. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's true. It's good for us to think like that. Because you know what? One day we're going to face the Lord in judgment. We need to be ready, right? Yeah, it's good for us. Verse 3 is real interesting in it. Sorrow is better than laughter. For Solomon says, For by sadness of face the heart is made glad. That's interesting. Mourning is good for us, he says. That's the opposite of what people in the world would think and understand. But mourning is good for us. It's good for us because we have to think about our own mortality. But it's good for another reason. That's our text today. Because mourning is essential for salvation. Now flip back to Matthew. Go right. New Testament's in the right. Go to the back of the Bible. All right, Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. So we're talking about mourning here. Solomon talks about mourning. It's good. And it's good for not only to, for us to think about our, our upcoming inevitable death, but it's good because it's essential for salvation. It is a key to the kingdom. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now we, we said it's a key to the kingdom. It is a prerequisite for being a, a citizen of the king. We looked at last week the first attitude that ought to be, the first key to the kingdom we said was poor in spirit. And, and, and Morgan alluded to that in our worship time. And we talked about what it means to be poor in spirit. It means that we recognize where we are spiritually. To be poor in spirit means that we recognize that we are spiritually bankrupt. And I gave an illustration, a word picture, if you will, a lady I saw in Israel when I was about 23 years old. And she was poor. She didn't have any money. But what made her really poor is that she had no arms and she had no legs. She couldn't even hold up the bowl that she had begging with. See, she was poor financially, but what really denotes poverty is she had no ability within herself to get herself out of the situation. She's poor because she doesn't have money, but she can't work to make money. And I remind us, that's who we are. Every one of us are in the same situation spiritually. We're sinful, we're rebellious against this holy creator God. 
We're separated from him on a one-way road to hell, and we can't do anything about it in and of ourselves. We have no ability to get ourselves out of the situation. That's who we are. So someone who's poor in spirit is someone who recognizes that fact. Wow. This is my situation. This is my condition. Sometimes we need to stay downwind. We need to get downwind of ourselves. We need to be self-aware. We need to recognize who we really are and what we're really like. We need to be poor in spirit. This is our plight. We need to understand that. That's the first key to the kingdom. You have to be poor in spirit. And the blessing given to given by God to one who's poor in spirit is none other than the kingdom of God. You, you become a kingdom citizen. Now, the second beatitude. And it, we have two points here. It comes right from this verse. The first is we should mourn. Okay, we should mourn. If you're a note taker, we should mourn. This is the second key to the kingdom. The attitude that ought to be. Remember, we said these, these attitudes, these beatitudes are, first of all, they're keys to the kingdom. They're prerequisites. been practicing that all week and I blew it. Prerequisites to be a kingdom citizen. You have to have this attitude. You have to be poor in spirit. You have to mourn in order to be a Christian, in order to be a child of the king, in order to be reconciled to God. So is it a one-time deal? It, it is. I became poor in spirit. November 25th of 1990, I was poor in spirit, and I mourned over my sin, and I was able to repent. We'll talk about that in a minute. I was able to repent. I was forgiven by the Lord, became a child of the King. Life was changed forever. But So it's a, it's a key to the kingdom, but it's also an attitude that ought to be. It's a key to the kingdom. It's a prerequisite to being a kingdom citizen. But it's also an attitude that we as Christians should have, should keep. It's like, oh, yeah, that was who I was back then, but now, you know, I'm moving on. No, we never graduate from those things. We never graduate from the spiritual disciplines, Reagan, reading the Bible, memorizing Scripture, coming to the Lord in prayer. We don't get away from those things. You don't graduate from that. We don't graduate from the, the Beatitudes. No, we, we, need, we need to, yes, have them in order to be a, a believer to be born again, but we need to keep them as an attitude of our everyday life. We should mourn. And, and mourning is something we equate with losing a loved one, don't we? We. So does this mean Jesus, is that what he's talking about here when he says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted? Is he talking about the grieving of a, a loss of a loved one? Does it mean he comforts us when that happens? Well, he does comfort us, doesn't he? Brady lost his mother. And they had the memorial service yesterday. And does God comfort those that are his? I think he does. Yeah, he, he, I think he has comforted Brady and his family. The loss of this mother, this grandmother, this wife. Yeah, he comforts. Leanne and her family, Mr. Leon. Is God comforting them? Yeah, we pray that he does. I think he is comforting them. And he, he does do that. He comforts those who lose a loved one. But that's not what Jesus is referring to here. It isn't the mourning the loss of a loved one, but it's the mourning the loss of our innocence that's in view here. It's not the sorrow of bereavement that Christ's referring to. It's the sorrow of repentance. 
this is the second stage of spiritual blessing, if you will. It's, a, you know, it's one thing to be spiritually poor and acknowledge it. It's another thing to grieve and to mourn it. But that's exactly what one who is poor in the spirit will do. Remember I said, it's not like, okay, I have one of these, one of these attitudes and not the other. You know, it's not like spiritual gifts. Remember we said that? You know, Elise has a spiritual gift and I have a spiritual gift. It may not be the same, but that's not true of these, these attitudes, these keys of the kingdom. No, we have one and we have all, all of them. D.A. Carson, he, he writes, mournfulness can be understood as the emotional counterpart to poverty of spirit. So they go hand in hand. You were poor in spirit and what do we do? Naturally, we mourn and grieve over our sin. What do we mourn over? Well, firstly, I just said it. We grieve over our personal sin and offense to God. Now, some people say, you know, we're, we're all sinners. Come on, guy. Everybody sins. No one's perfect. As if being sinful is acceptable. Being sinful is not acceptable. It's not okay. It's not. You know, we as evangelicals, we make much of grace, and we should. Here at Beaver, we make much of grace, and we should. Jesus did. The apostles did. So we should, and we do. We make much of grace. Grace is wonderful, and it's important. We have to be careful that we don't make light of sin. And in my life, there's not enough sorrow for sin. I think in the life of our church, there's not enough sorrow for sin among us. Do we weep? Do we wail? Do we mourn and grieve over our sin? What does it mean to mourn over our sin? It means to be broken, to regret, and to desire for it not to be so. And why is that so? Because God desires for it not to be so in our lives. We grieve God when we sin. So we too should be grieved over it. Biblical examples are many. Paul, he's battling his flesh and his sin as we do in Romans chapter 7 verse 24. And Paul says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? What is he doing? He's grieving over his sin. He's struggling with sin. He's sick of it. Can't stand this. Makes me sick. The tax collector in Luke chapter 18, if you remember last week, Jesus told a he told a parable comparing two different people. He, he tells this to people who are trusting in themselves. One's a Pharisee, and he says, Man, I fast twice a week, and I give a tithe of everything I retire. Man, I'm the God. I'm not like that guy over there. And he's pointing to the tax collector. And what's the tax collector doing? Just beating his chest. Won't even look up to God, saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And what does the Lord say in Luke 18, verse 13? But the tax collector standing far off would not even look up, lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And it says, the next verse says, But the tax collector, what did it say? He, he left justified. You know, what's the tax collector doing? He, he's, he's grieving over his sin. Annabeth, he's just grieving over it. He's just, oh, he's just tearing him up. He hates it. What about Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 6. We looked at that verse last week as well, Bryce. And in chapter 6, verse 5, Isaiah had a vision of the Lord. He sees the Lord, the glory of the Lord. And what does he say? Woe is me, for I am lost, 
For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What is Isaiah doing? He's grieving. Oh, terrible. And, and we could go on and on and on other examples, but this is the second key to the kingdom. It's a prerequisite to being a kingdom citizen. And children, when parents, some of you, and some of you here in the room, you brought your children to me, and you're like, hey, I think my child has repented, and they've trusted Christ, work on the cross. I, I feel like they're a believer. And the first thing I'm going to ask you is, that's awesome. And so I, then I ask, I've asked many of you, is there a brokenness over their sin? Are they grieving over their sin? I think that's a, it's a prerequisite, right, to being a, a, a kingdom citizen. Is, is your child, are we grieving over our sin? That's indication of the, that there's salvation has occurred. Is there mourning over sin? And this mourning, this grieving, this godly sorrow leads to what? Leads to repentance. Turn to, uh, you don't have to turn there. We have already read it. I'll just, I'll just share a little something. Morgan read that as our scripture reading this morning, Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse uh, verses five through ten. You can turn there if you like. I'm just going to mention a few things here in this passage. What what's happened is Paul has written this letter to this church. He started this church on the second missionary journey. He's writing a letter. He's already written a letter and he's rebuked the the heck out of them. <laughs> And it's just tore him up. And he says, as it is, verse 9, I rejoice not because you were grieved, and say where they're grieving, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. See, kids, if you lose your iPhone because you, you got a little sassy with your mama, and you're sad because you can't text, you can't keep up with your friends. That's, that's not godly grief. That's worldly grief, right? Verse 10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief, grief produces death. There's a godly grief, a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. See, there's got to be a brokenness over sin because the, the brokenness is our motivation for repentance. And repentance has to take place in order for forgiveness to be granted. So sorrow leads to repentance. This humility leads to reconciliation. And that's why one reason, like our children, when they fuss and fight, I don't know about you, but uh, my kids, most of us, we have good kids. Uh, and... We would all probably say that for the most part, but the trouble we have if we have several kids living in the same house, Brian Billings, is sometimes the kids, they, they have, they fuss, you know? But I think sometimes we, we, we try to make our kids apologize. I don't think we need to do that because you, oh, you, you did, oh, you're going to go apologize to your sister right now. Or you're going to apologize to your brother. And you make them apologize, and what are you doing? You're making them lie, <laughs> right? You're making them lie. We don't make them apologize because if it's not sincere, then it doesn't mean anything, right? And forgiveness is never given until emotional restitution is made, right? That is, the grief on the part of the offender should be proportionate to the grief of the offended. For example, you and your spouse, you have a disagreement, a spat, and 
you say something in the flesh. Any of you ever get in the flesh? Any of your spouses you ever get in the flesh? Jenny, raise your hand, baby. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm, I, that's confession. I, what I was doing, I wasn't just saying, I'm, I'm right, confessing. I get in the flesh sometimes, right? Um, Kevin? Yeah. We get, in the, we get in the flesh. And we say things that we shouldn't in the flesh. That's why when, you know, sometimes we look at it and say, it's better just not to talk. Let's just not talk. Because if we talk, it's going to be something said that's going to be nasty, right? So you said something to your spouse, Lisa, that you shouldn't say. And then you say this, something like this. Um, I'm sorry, okay? I shouldn't have said that. And you say it in that kind of tone. Is forgiveness granted? No. Why? Forgiveness is granted only after the spouse sees that the other is sincere and understands how hurtful they have been. Only then can reconciliation occur. And that's, not tr that's true not only of just human relationships, but it's true with God and man. Godly sorrow in a, in a sinner's heart leads to repentance, which leads to what? Mia, reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah, we need, we need more mourning, more grieving over sin. I need it in my life and you maybe in yours. David Brainerd, he's a, he was a missionary in the 18th century to the American Indians. He wrote in his journal, this is a journal article he, he wrote, October the 18th, 1740. In my morning devotions, my soul was exceedingly melted and bitterly mourned over my exceeding sinfulness and vileness pretty good, huh? Yeah, he was sick of his sin, grieving over it, right? Yeah. We mourn over our personal sin. This is a key to the kingdom. But as believers, we also mourn over, I think, just the sinfulness of our world. We live in a sinful, messed up, broken world. And we should mourn over that as well. And this is, this is that part, you know, there's keys to the kingdom, prerequisites of being a child of the king. But then there's this, as we, after we repent and we're walking with Christ, Aiden, there is this attitude that we should keep. We, we should continue to mourn, not only over our personal sin, but, but just the sin of the world. I mean, when you're, when you have somebody and they leave their wife and their children, it should grieve you. It should make you sick. It should make you so sad. Little babies being, their lives being taken in their mother's womb. It should grieve us. We ought to weep and hurt. Racism. Somebody being born a different ethnicity like they chose their skin color or chose where they grew up. How ridiculous and pagan and sinful. It ought to grieve us. It ought to make us sick. It ought to hurt our hearts. And then you have this situation in the world where you have people that are living in places all over the world where they've never heard the gospel. And they die, and they never hear the gospel. They die separated from the Lord, never hearing the gospel. That ought to grieve us. What a broken, messed up world we live in. It ought to grieve us. It ought to hurt us. We should mourn and wail. Psalm 119. Verse 136. 
My shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. The psalmist was broken because of the sinfulness of Israel. Again, Isaiah 6, verse 5. Isaiah was, he was broken and mourning over his own sin. Woe is me, I am, I am sinful. I, am, I have unclean lips. But notice this, but I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. Not only should our own sin grieve us, but the sin of people in our world. When you turn on a TV show and it's just filth and immorality and terror, it ought to grieve us. Gracious. This stuff is pouring into every, every other house in America. All this garbage that grieves God. It ought to grieve us as well. We should mourn and grieve over sin. It's the key to the kingdom. But it's also an attitude that we should keep as believers. Second point. The blessing of being broken over our sin is that we will be comforted. We'll be comforted. We'll receive divine encouragement. And that happens now. Bo, that happens now. We, we, that's something we can experience in our day, now, today, tomorrow, the next day. We're given assurance of our pardon and the burden of guilt is lifted. And this is the job Isaiah tells us that the Messiah has, Isaiah 61.1. Isaiah, 500 years before Christ was born. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. This is a, this is a messianic prophecy. The Messiah, what's he going to do? Bind up the brokenhearted. There's comfort given to those who mourn over their sin. The tax collector in Luke 18 he beat his breast. Woe is me. I'm a man. I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me. And in verse 14 of Luke 18, I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other. The other being the Pharisee, right, who trusted in himself, right? For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Who did that? The Pharisee. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector beating his breast, have mercy on me, a sinner. What does it say? He'll be exalted. He'll be comforted. If you're born again, if you're a, a citizen of the king, you know what it's like to be comforted. You know what it's like to be exalted. Again, James. It's interesting, all these authors, a lot of them, they shared the same thing. They just said it in a different way. James chapter 4. James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I love that verse. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. What's he saying? We need to mourn. We need to weep over our sin. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Well, well to mourn. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. You'll be exalted. You'll be comforted. I remember the day I was born again. Do you remember that day? Morgan asked that question. You remember being poor in spirit? Maybe the first time you were poor in spirit. Do you remember that? November 25th of 1990, God had been dealing with me. Well, I remember it. Man, that weight. Whew. Lifted. The psalmist says, I was purged with hyssop and I felt whiter than snow. That happened. You remember that? Psalm 32, 1. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Boy, I knew on that day I, my sin was covered. You remember that time? You remember when you were born again? You were poor in spirit. You mourned and grieved and God comforted you. 
Romans 8, 1, there's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Why, why am I reading these verses? Because that's what I felt. I knew that I was, wasn't condemned anymore. I'd been condemned, walking in condemnation. I knew it. I felt it. I knew. I knew I was, if I died, I, wrote, I, I was 17. I was driving 30 miles an hour down Beaver Road every day. Because I'm going to have a wreck and I'm going to die and I'm going to hell. All of a sudden, no condemnation, baby. I was free. Yeah, there was comfort. I mourned and what did God do? He comforted me. And Jesus says this about himself, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's part of what he's talking about here. Part of that rest is being set free from the guilt and shame. And you experience that in this in the, here and now. Mr. Bobby, Mr. Bobby Dotson, most of you know him. You know his story. You ask him, ask him when we leave, well, we won't do it today. But sometimes ask him, hey, share your story with me. You know what Mr. Bobby's going to do? He's going to share a story, and then what he's going to do? He's going to cry. Because he used to rough, and he rebelled against the Lord for a long time. He was a big old football player, played football at Mississippi State. Rough guy. What did God do? He brought him to a point where he was poor in spirit, and he was broken over his sin. And so why does he weep when he tells a story? Because it's God comforting in him. Yeah, this is what I am. This is who I am. This is what I was, but this is who I am now. I'm set free. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yeah, a comfort. And it's a present reality. But there's also a not yet reality as well. That comfort won't be complete until we're in glory. In fact, most of what God has promised us in Christ won't be realized here and now. That's why we got to be, that evil believism stuff, we got to be real careful with that. You're going to get saved and God's going to take away all your problems and blah, 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 blah. No. In fact, when you follow Jesus, you're going to have a lot more problems than you didn't have before. Yeah, there's comfort, but man, there's still a lot of struggle and heartache and Woo, we've experienced it this week, haven't we? Revelation, real quickly. Turn to Revelation uh, 21. Go to the back of your Bible. The very back. Very back. Revelation 21. I'll beat you there. I'm there. I'm there already. I'm not doing dishes today. Hey, Claire Beth, you there? Oh, Claire Beth. You there? Claire Beth doing dishes today. Woo. <laughs> Revelation 21. Look at this. This is talking about the new heavens and new earth when, when things are made right. And you know what? This is the thing. Things are going to be made right one day. Isn't that awesome? We're not going to have to worry about injustice. We're not going to worry about sin. I'm tired of pride and selfishness. I'm just tired of dealing with it. I deal with it every day. Just bad in the flesh. Ugh. Yeah, he comforts me. Man, I'm not condemned. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm righteous in Christ. But it's still a struggle, right? And that, that struggle will continue until glory. Let's read this real quick. First one, then I saw, this is John, right? He had a vision of the new heaven, what it's going to be like. There's going to be new heavens, new earth. It's going to be one, and it's going to be awesome. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling places of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Yeah, there's a... We're, we're comforted. When we mourn over our sin, we're comforted now. But whoo, one day, 
we're going to be comforted and it's going to be wonderful and awesome. And the things that we struggle with will be no more one day. 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, we're God's children now. We're comforted now, the here and now. Kevin, we get to experience God's comfort now. If we mourn, He comforts us. And what we will be, that's the coming comfort, has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. That's the Revelation 21 thing we just read, right? Yeah, this comfort now, but you know what, man? We're, it's coming. We're going to be comforted. And even as I say that, you're like, well, I wish we could just experience all that now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But even in knowing what causes our grief will end one day, you know, the things that we struggle with, the, and everybody has strongholds, and it's all different for the most part. You know, for, for all of us, we have different struggles. We have different experiences, different people in our lives causing us grief, right? But knowing that, that our griefs will one day end, that, that's gives us hope, doesn't it? And to be hopeful is to be comforted. Even though our comfort will only be complete in the future, knowing that it's going to be complete in the future, you know what it does? It comforts us. So we're comforted now. I've experienced this presence of the Lord. The Spirit of God is within me. I know I'm His child. He comforts me. He blesses me and I feel His presence and His joy and His peace. And I walk with Him and He speaks to me and disciplines me and draws me to Himself. There's comfort there. My, the weight of my guilt and shame. I know I'm not condemned because of Christ. I know I'll be with God in glory. But yet we still struggle, don't we? But knowing that that's going to come to an end, that's, there's comfort in that. This is a, a, key, a key to a kingdom. A key to the kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn. Have you mourned? Are you broken over your sin? Have you broke, been broken over your sin? your offense to the Lord? Have you experienced the comfort from God that your sin debt is paid by the Savior? If not, by way of application today, I want to encourage you to repent. See, this is not something we just figure out on our own and we can do on our, our own. It's not something I'll just get her done. No, the Lord has to do this. You can't just be poor in spirit. No, God has to make you poor in spirit, allow you to see yourself as you really are. And he has to break your heart over sin. If that's happening today, I want to encourage you to repent. You're a sinner separated from the Lord. You deserve God's worst, his judgment, and that's what's coming for you and for all who sin against the Lord. But Jesus came and he lived a perfect life for us and he died a death for sinners. He rose on the third day so that sinners could be justified. And the Bible says if you, if you turn from your sin, you confess your sin, he's faithful and just. He'll forgive you and you won't be condemned any longer. You'll be his child. You'll be a kingdom citizen and that he'll comfort you. Take that weight away. If you've never repented, repent today and be comforted. But for the church, how do we apply this text? I want to encourage you. Some, if you don't have a Facebook page, I know a lot of people don't do those kind of things. And that's fine. But um, 
it's just a way that we can communicate with you. We, we're, we're doing videos sometimes, and I loaded one up this week from kind of a supplement from last week's sermon. I ran out of time, and so um, I'll do that from time to time. But maybe get a Facebook page so you can follow that. Um, but what about for, for us as a church? You know, this is the attitude that we ought to, to have. We ought to be mourning over our personal sin. We ought to be mourning over the sin and brokenness of the world. Can we say as a church that we are mourning those things? Church, don't make so much of grace that we make light of sin. We need to be broken people over our own sin, over the sins of the world. And that's one thing we're going to have an opportunity to do in the future is to have a time just of confession. The, the scriptures tell us to confess our sins one to another, that you may be healed. And we need to have a time to do that. And we were doing that on Wednesday nights, and we'll find a time to do that. But we need to be broken over our sin. So I'll encourage you. If you've not wept over your sin in quite a while, let's ask the Lord this week to break our hearts afresh and anew that we would hate our sin that we would be grieved by it as he is and in, in so doing we would be comforted by the Lord let's pray Father we acknowledge you are good you, you desire our allegiance our obedience so you can be glorified through us and I pray that you would help us obey you and apply this text in whatever way you want us to. Father, as a church family here at Beaver, help us to be broken people. Help us to be broken over our own individual sin. Father, help us to be broken over the, the neighbors, those in our community who are living apart from you. Help us be bro broken over our nation and our world the lostness in our world, the sin in our world. Father, help us to be broken people. Do that in us, Father. Lord, may we be repentant people because of the godly sorrow that's in our lives this week. And Father, for those who are here, maybe the little boy, maybe the, the mother, the grandmother, they're here and some are watching maybe by Facebook online and they've yet to be broken over their sin and they can't say that they've been comforted by the Savior. They can't say that beyond a shadow of a doubt. They, they know that their sin is forgiven and their sin debt is paid. Father, I pray that you would draw them to yourself, that they would repent, that godly grief would motivate them to repent and they would be reconciled to you. And Father, for those that are hard-hearted, pray that you would let them see themselves as you see them, a sinner in need of a Savior. Save lost people, Father, even today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.